In this episode, let's talk about lukewarmness. That is, what it means to be a lukewarm Christian and what you can do about it. Welcome once again to Living Streams UK. There is this very popular scripture in the book of Revelation, which many of us might you know, have heard about it or we may have listened to a message preached from this particular verse in the Bible. It is in the book of Revelation chapter 3 and the verse number 15 and 16. Now, this is when Jesus gave, a, if you like, a sharp rebuke to the church of Laodicea. And he says, and I read, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spill thee out of my mouth. I just read that from the King James uh, Version of the Bible. Essentially, what the Lord is saying here is, this particular church was not cold, and they were also not hot. Uh, rather, they were in between. You know, they were sort of lukewarm. And he says to them, because you are lukewarm, you are, you know, distasteful to me. And so I am going to spit you out of my mouth. And that is what, you know, uh, is captured here. Now, the words of Christ, ladies and gentlemen, we see these in some very important books of the Bible, especially in the New Testament. So in the New Testament, many of us obviously would uh, agree that the words of Christ directly can be seen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the Gospels. But actually, there are also two other books that we see uh, the words of Christ directly, you know, speaking to us. And we see these in the book of Acts, the very early chapters of the book of Acts, and then also in the book of Revelation, where the Lord appears to John the Beloved, if you like, or the Apostle John, who received the book of Revelation and had an interaction with the Lord, the risen Savior, in his glory, and he shares prophetic uh, words with him. So in this uh, last book of the Bible, which also is the book of Revelation, we see the Lord speak to seven important churches. Now, these churches were like the uh, mega churches of the day, you know, if you know what I mean. Uh, they were in these uh, big, big cities and they were important. So, for instance, if you went to Ephesus, then the church of Ephesus would be the church uh, in, in, in question here. Now, it did not mean that there were not other mini, if you like, smaller churches in Ephesus. But this particular church in Ephesus uh, was the biggest among them. And it was also representative of all of the Ephesian church, if you know what I mean by that. And so the Lord addressed seven churches in this uh, portion of the scripture. Now, I said all this introduction because uh, these churches today would also represent us. That is you and I in our various cities, in our various regions, in our various countries of the world, listening uh, to this podcast. By the way, shout out to those of you who listen to me from Fiji. God bless you uh, for joining us. Uh, it's, it was surprising for me to see that our podcast have now reached uh, Fiji, which is very beautiful. God bless you all. And so let's uh, continue with this message. And we see here, therefore, that all these churches would represent us today. And so the seven churches that Jesus Christ addressed in the book of Revelation, don't take it as though it is for them and we are different. 
So if you were, say, listening to me in the Philippines, it does not mean that this scripture doesn't apply to you. If you are listening to me from the UK, it does not mean that this scripture does not apply to you. However, wherever you are in the world, you somehow fall into one category or the other for these seven churches that Jesus spoke to in the book of Revelation. Now, in these Bible chapters or books, rather I should say, that are mentioned, which is the Gospels, first of all, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And then we come to Acts. Uh, and then we go to the book of Revelations, where we see the words of Christ in the spoken. We can categorize them this way. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is there appearing as the Redeemer Savior carrying his cross. And this you see these in the in the in the four gospels. Uh, so he's over there, number one, the Redeemer Savior carrying his cross. Number two, when we come to the book of Acts, where also we see his words, his direct words you know, expressed in this book, we see him over here, the Lord, as the resurrected Savior carrying his promise. Let me repeat that. In the book of Acts, he is the resurrected Savior carrying his promise. Uh, how do we know? Scripture says, wait for the promise of the Father. And in the book of Acts, that was where we received the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit coming upon the church in a very spectacular manner and endowing the church with power so that you and I today can be effective witnesses for the Lord our God. So that is number two. So first of all, number one, in the Gospels, he was or he is, I should say, the Redeemer Savior carrying his cross. Number two, in the book of Acts, he is the resurrected Savior carrying his promise. Now, number three, which is in the book of Re Revelation, where he appears to uh, John, the writer of this particular book of Revelation. We see Jesus as the reviver Savior carrying his judgment. Let me repeat that. He is over here, the reviver Savior carrying his judgment. And so hopefully these three dimensions help you to categorize it well in your mind. Uh, in terms of where we see his direct messages to us, that is to you and to me. And so let's focus our attention uh, actually now on this particular one in the book of Revelation, the Reviver Savior, you know, carrying his judgment. And how do we know the seven churches he speaks to, he's speaking to them to sort of encourage and also to rebuke and to bring about some kind of revival in these churches because he's rebuking them for where they've gone wrong and he's loving, very lovingly correcting them so that they can come up to where they once were before. And so uh, now there is something, however, that strikes me and I want you to, you know, go into the scripture with me. In this last book of Revelation, which uh, we are talking about right now, the message was to these seven churches in the, uh, the church of Ephesus, uh, the church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamum, the church of Thyatira, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and finally the church of Laodicea. The verse we read earlier on in chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, that was in reference to this very last church I mentioned, which is in Laodicea. So let's repeat that again. It is Ephesus as the first church. Now, I am mentioning these names in that particular order as the scripture, you know, presents them to us. And so it is Ephesus as the first one that was mentioned in the, in the Revelation. Then comes Smyrna and then Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, 
Philadelphia, and finally the seventh church, Laodicea. Now I in, I mentioned them in that you know specific order as the scripture you know tells us for a reason. Now it is because I want you to take note of the very first church that was mentioned. That church is the church of Ephesus. And then also take note of the very last church that was mentioned. And that church uh, is the church of Laodicea. So the first and the last, yes. Now, obviously, we, you and I do know the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. And of course, Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. But more importantly, in the Jewish uh, culture, the first, you know, is something that you've got to pay attention to. And of course, also the last is something that you've got to pay attention to. It is important, therefore, even in theology, what we refer to as the law of first mentions. Uh, the first time something occurs in scripture, you've got to pay particular attention to that. It is sort of almost setting a precedent, setting a principle. What is the first word? The principal thing, in a way. And so you want to pay attention to the first uh, church that is mentioned and the last church that is mentioned. There is something striking there, which I want us to discover in this episode today. And uh, before I come back to that, you know, it will interest you to know that immediately after speaking about Laodicea, you know, uh, that is after the Lord spoke to the writer of the book of John, of the book of Revelation, who is called uh, John, Apostle John, he immediately shows himself in the fourth chapter, you know, that is Revelation chapter four, remarkably as God who is sat on his throne. And that's amazing. So let me take you a step back. Here is the Lord, you know, speaking to seven churches. He is sending some very important warning signals to them. He is, in fact, pretty much warning them that, look, you have gone wrong in A, B, C. You've got to correct yourself. You've gone wrong in X, Y, Z. You've got to come back to the right course. You've done this and I am very, uh, you know, displeased with you. And you've got to come back and do the right thing. And so on. It's like a loving father correcting his children and is telling them, you've gone wrong here uh, and I need you to correct it so that, you know, you don't bear the punishment that comes with going wrong and so on and so forth. And in the very next chapter, immediately after, you know, speaking to all of these seven churches, in the very next chapter in the book of Revelation chapter four, the Lord is, you know, showing himself in his glory. He reveals himself, you know, sitting on his throne and this glorious nature almost equivalent to what the book of Ezekiel tells us about God, uh, what the prophet Ezekiel saw in the four creatures, you know. Uh, very remarkably, we see very similar thing here in, in this chapter of uh, Revelation chapter 4. So the question is, why would the Lord do such a thing? Why would he, you know, immediately, immediately after delivering a stark warning and, uh, you know, to these seven churches, in a way, He's showing his mighty power. You know, uh, why would that be so? Now, if someone comes to you and warns you, yes, if someone comes to you and gives you a very strong warning that, look, I, you are doing something wrong, I don't like it, and if you don't do it right, I'm going to punish you very severely, and he gives you a very strong warning, and immediately after giving you that warning, he shows you his great power. You know, what, what does that tell you? He's got to tell you that, look, the person is saying to you, I'm very serious. Yes, he's saying to you, look, I'm very serious about this thing, this warning I've just given to you. I'm, I'm very, very serious. If you doubt me, that is my power. If you doubt what I'm warning you about, this is me in all of my power, in all of my glory. 
so that you don't take me for granted uh, in a way. So you can almost see God saying this to the seven churches, you know, right after, you know, uh, giving them these words of warning, he's in showing his incredible power unto, unto the churches or unto all of us uh, today. And so he's saying in a way, guys, I'm very serious. You don't, you know, if you like, I'm very, very serious. Don't mess with me. Yes, you know, if you like, that is what he's saying to, to, to the churches in that, in that way. So I mentioned earlier on to think about the first and the last church. Yes, the church of Ephesus being the first to be mentioned and the last church, which is the church of, Re the church of Laodicea, which was the last one to be mentioned in this portion of scripture. And so what are the problems, you know, with these uh, two churches, the Ephesian and the Laodicean church? What were their problems? Now, remarkably, if you look into the scripture, it is interesting to see that the problems of the church of Ephesus were very similar to the problems of the church of Laodicea. And that is, they were both lukewarm. They were both very lukewarm. Now, we only think of Laodicea as the lukewarm church in chapter 3, uh, but actually the Ephesians were equally so. Now, how do I know if you read Ephesians, uh, about the church of Ephesians in Revelations chapter 2 and the verse number 1 all the way to the verse number 5, we see the problem with this particular church, how that they have become cold in their love for the Lord. And the Lord is saying to them over there that they've got to return to their first love. So they become lukewarm in their love for Christ. And he's saying to them, you've got to return to your first love. Now, how many of us, you know, listening to this episode today, you want to be in a love relationship and then along the line, the love grows cold. Nobody wants that. Do you want such a thing? Yes. You Rather, you want the love to be burning hotter and hotter and hotter by the months, by the weeks, by the years, and so on and so forth. And so Christ, in his love relationship with this particular church, he notices that the church has become very cold in their love for him. And he's saying, you've got to return to your first love. Now, if you look at this very interesting uh, church uh, of Ephesians in, 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 in Ephesus, uh, it is interesting to see that Apostle Paul, in his writings to this Ephesian church in the book of Ephesians, he was inspired to pray for this church in a specific way. And you will see this in Ephesians chapter 3, the verses number 16 to 19. And in Paul's prayer for this church, he prayed for them that they would not have their love growing cold. So it is interesting that Paul picked this up in the spirit, prayed for them that their love would be deepened in Christ, uh, that they would not grow cold in their love for the Lord. But somehow this church still missed it, you know, to the extent that Jesus himself in, 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 the, in, in the book of Revelation, he's presenting a warning to the church for their love growing cold. Now, if you're a Christian listening to me today, I want to uh, challenge you also. What is your love for the Lord right now? Is your love growing cold? Now, I want to believe that the fact that you are even listening to this podcast, you know, is a sign that your love is, isn't, is not growing cold for Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to keep burning hot in your love for the Lord. Now, about the church of Laodicea, you know, over there, it was very clear, you know, when Jesus said to them that, you know, you have, you have become cold. You are neither hot nor, 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 nor cold. You become uh, lukewarm, you know, I should say. Now, this is interesting. 
uh, it makes us think that you know if you are hot then it's good if you are cold then it is bad but actually he's saying that you are neither cold nor hot and he says i wish that you were at least cold and or hot now the understanding of this uh, metaphor is actually understood you know you can actually uh, get to this if you know the context and the and the city of laodicea where it was located and why jesus used this idea of cold and hot now let me break that down a very uh, you know fair bit for us this particular city was in between two hilly areas yes uh, it was almost like um, uh, if you like in a, in a lovely valley in a way up above on the top of the mountain in the other in the next city or going to the next city is where you would have these um, hot springs and then on the other side of the city would be these cold uh, springs, which in the summer, most people would go there for cold water, for cold, refreshing, you know, uh, water. Whereas in the winter, the hot springs in the north would bring, you know, you that sort of warmth and comfort and people would enjoy that. And the city of Laodicea decided that actually, you know, why do we have to, you know, travel all these miles to just enjoy the hot springs in the winter? Or all this journey for the cold, you know, uh, springs or the cold waters in the summer. So let's do something. Let's create, let's engineer a duct, you know, pipes that would bring to us, you know, the hot water uh, in, in, in the winter from the hilly area and also bring us the cold, you know, in the summer times. And so they made all this engineering uh, act in fiat, if you like. Unfortunately, they did not account for loss of heat and the loss of temperature uh, of, of the water uh, when it traveled down the duct. And so by the time the waters got to the city center in the valley area, these waters were lukewarm and it, it, the people didn't like it anymore. You know, it was like all of this work we did came to a failure because we could not achieve what we were looking for. And that was the exact situation, the context that Jesus picks up upon and he's speaking to the Laodicean church. So the Laodicean church, if you were a member of that church in that particular year and era, you would have exactly understood what Jesus was saying to you. That is, you have become distasteful to him. And they would have understood the metaphor. And so for you and for me today, what does that mean? In what areas of your life do you think you have become distasteful in your service of the kingdom? In what area of your Christian work do you think you have become distasteful to the Lord? You know, you, it is a question you can answer only for yourself. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, you can search deep within you and allow the Lord to help you and to get you back you know, to a place where you are either hot for him or at least being refreshing to the work of the ministry in some form or the other. And so then he offers words of comfort in the, you know, verses 19 to 22 of Revelation chapter 3. And then he then in chapter 4, he's showing his power, his glory, his ultimate power in a way. And so uh, in this episode, I want to challenge you now to begin to think of your life and to look at yourself and your Christian work. Are you lukewarm? Are you lukewarm? Are you distasteful in your, in your Christianity? Are you a lukewarm believer or are you on fire for Jesus? Or are you providing refreshment for, for the ministry? Wherever you find yourself now, if you're listening to me in any country of the world, 
begin to search your spirit, begin to search your heart. Don't leave it too late, you know, like this church did for the Lord to be coming with a rebuke. These things are written aforetime for our learning. That is what the scripture says. So that you and I, through the comfort of the scriptures, we may have hope. So by this, you know, scripture, it is encouraging us and also challenging us for us to rise up in our faith walk to be people who are making ourselves useful for the work of the ministry. We don't want to be lukewarm Christians. We don't want to be those who are just sitting down and warming the pews. Rise up in the morning. What can I do? Rise up in the morning and begin to increase in your prayer life. Begin to enhance your devotional life uh, for the work of the ministry. Begin to commit yourself to Jesus. Begin to serve him with all of your heart. Let your prayer and your fellowship with the saints be something that you do not miss out on. Don't sit at home when it is a Sunday. You've got to go and fellowship with them. These are all the practical steps that you can take to remove lukewarmness from your Christian walk and from your spiritual walk with the Lord. Prayer your Bible, devotional life, and your fellowship with the saints. The Lord bless and keep you. If you are listening to me for the first time and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, I want to challenge you today to begin to think about your life. Even if the Christian who is lukewarm is distasteful to Christ, how much more you who haven't yet known him at all and are living in sin. The Bible says all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. It costs you nothing to give your life to Jesus. All it would cost you is your pride. Bring that pride down. You are not good in yourself. Our righteous works, the Bible says, they are like filthy rags before, before God, the holy God. And so it takes humility to say, Lord, forgive me my sin. Please pray this prayer after me if you want to commit your life to Jesus. Dear Lord, I come to you today in all humility of heart. Forgive me my sin. I recognize I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe you sent Jesus, your son, to die for my sin. On the third day, you raised him from the dead. I believe this, and Lord, I pray, knowing that if I commit my life to you, I also rise into newness of life. From today, I declare Jesus as Lord and Savior. I turn away from my sins. I repent of all my evil ways. And I say, Lord, come into my heart and make me yours. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I want to hear from you. If you've prayed a prayer, send us a message on Instagram or on our website, and I will be happy to reach out to you. The Lord bless and keep you. See you in the next episode. Goodbye.